Hey there, everyone. It's Jeff from MCS Mag, and let me tell you, one of the biggest objections that I get from just about everything that we write about when it comes to surviving a disaster or a crisis or an attack is that many of our listeners and readers feel that they're just too old to pull off all the kind of strategies that we talk about. And nowhere do I hear this as often as I do when we're talking about unarmed self-defense, especially when it comes to going toe-to-toe with a bigger, stronger attacker. But let's get down to the brass tacks here. The true survivor never quits, right? No matter what the odds. And I promise you that there are solutions out there for everyone if you know where to look and what to do. And for that over 50 crowd, of which I'm personally kind of putting a toe in that circle myself, you're about to discover just how much power you actually do have, even when going up against a much younger, stronger attacker. Check this out now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, let me ask you something. Do you ever watch the Ultimate Fighting Championship, or are you a big mixed martial arts fan? Well, a lot of people are, and the popularity of mixed martial arts has really saturated our culture when it comes to how people think about fighting, whether it's as a sport or even from a self-defense perspective. However, the problem with mixed martial arts approach to self-defense is not that the techniques don't work. Clearly, they do, at least in competition. But to truly use many of these techniques in real combat, you've got to be strong, healthy, and very well conditioned like the other guys that you see in the octagon. At the very least, you've got to be stronger, faster, and better conditioned than the other guy when you're attacked, right? Now, you can tell yourself that you're going to put in the time on the heavy bag, you're going to eat right, you'll do your sit-ups and push-ups like a good boy or girl, but sooner or later, you're going to start to get older. And I won't use the word old, but many of you listening right now know exactly what it's like to get older, right? I mean, as you get into your 40s and 50s and beyond, hard-hitting mixed martial arts systems start to look a little bit less like an option for self-defense. However, being able to protect yourself as we age is more important than ever because, let's face it, criminal thugs like to target older people. Older people have money. Older people are weaker and less likely to fight back effectively. And worst of all, older people are very familiar with their health problems and the risks of serious injuries. So they know they probably shouldn't try to fight back, right? Or should they? Look, you need to take self-defense training seriously as you age, specifically because you will move into a demographic that gets targeted more. We're seeing more and more stories on the news of seniors being victimized by street thugs and home invaders. And the dojos are being filled with more than just eight-year-olds in kids' karate programs these days. But not all martial arts are the same, under any conditions. And that's especially true when it comes to older trainees who want something practical that will really work under the extreme conditions of a violent attack. And that's what we're here to address right now. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. 
And joining us today is famed martial artist and veteran law enforcement officer, Lauren Christensen. Lauren, welcome back to the program, man. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be here. Awesome to have you back. Now, listen, everybody, Lauren's been a name in that's been well-recognized in the martial arts community for eons. And he's appeared in a variety of the magazines that you probably read, including Soldier of Fortune, Warriors, Black Belt, Karate Illustrated, Karate International, Police, Law and & Order, and numerous others. Now, he holds at last count, at least at my last count, 11 Black Belts, and has written a staggering 45 books and counting, I'm sure it's probably over that by now, on martial arts and self-defense. He's been featured in multiple instructional DVDs that we featured on our own website. He is, to put it bluntly, a legend in the martial arts arena and is a member of the Masters Hall of Fame. Now, for more information about Lauren and to gain access to his training, be sure to visit him at his website at www.lwcbooks.com. Now, Lauren, I know you've written a book for martial artists who aren't who aren't exactly exactly elderly, but they're getting a little older. So I know that this is a topic you've done a lot of research in. Now, I think the best place for us to start is in trying to overcome that stigma of being an easy target to begin with. I mean, we we know that criminals like to look at older people as weaker and an easy mark. So. So what are some things that can be done to project more of like a, a, a don't screw with me attitude to a, avoid being victimized, even though you don't have that like, you know, back alley biker brawler look? Sure. Um, and whether or not you have tattoos or not. So. Right, right. Um, we've, all, we've all heard the you walk with confidence. And what does that mean? People just say walk with confidence. and. Um, I think a good example is to look at our, whatever you may think of them, look at some of our politicians, the older politicians, like John McCain, who is 80, Reagan was in his upper 70s during his presidency, and Hillary Clinton, who's 68 years old as we speak. All of these people, if you look at their news clips or look at the, the videos, they all walk with this sort of this um, pronounced youthful gait, the, the good swing of the arms, their head up, and they're alert they're taking in everything around them they got a little bounce to the step it's put on that's for sure but it's very effective it has an effective look and it conveys this sense of youth and uh, ready to get the job done that kind of stuff and and that's the kind of thing you want to do it, it's fake like i said probably when the doors are closed these people collapse into the sofa you know but um nonetheless it does convey that look that you want to do uh, that you want to convey so that the potential criminal out there eyeing a target is less likely to pick you and more likely to pick somebody else uh, who doesn't look as, as strong and aware uh, and, and alert. Uh, the other thing is just to, is to walk in pairs and groups. We've heard that. And, and there's, there's definitely powers in that, no, a power in that. It, even if you're 80 years old, um, two people walking together have, can, can add more confusion to an assault or a, or a robbery by a bad guy. He has two people to watch, uh, two of whom probably have cell phones and can, can you know, call the police or they can go in opposite directions, uh, leaving, um, leaving the bad guy to be more easily identified. Walk in pairs, walk in threes if you can, whenever you get that option. Use your sixth sense to stay alert. That sixth sense has been working for you. It's been developing and evolving for the last 50, 60, 70 years, uh, and it's a powerful tool. Let it add to your energy. Let it uh, feed you information, and more importantly, 
listen to that information. If you get that little prickle on your neck, little hairs are dancing around on the back of your neck, or you get that bubble of, of, uh, of anxiety that races up your spine, listen to it. And why is, why is it doing that? What is it telling you? And, and, and look around and see if it's, if your subconscious is picking up something that your conscious mind might not be aware of. Lastly, carry your cell phone always. Don't, don't bury it deep in a coat under an overcoat that's hard to reach. Carry it where it's an easy access. And this is sort of a weird thing, but we found this to be a powerful tool. Practice calling 911. When your adrenaline is pumping, your anxiety is blowing through the top of your head, it's really hard to make your fine motor skills work for you. And a fine motor skill would be poking nine and one and one. We've had lots of people tell us they, they just couldn't hit those three numbers. So shut off your phone, poke nine one one nine one one fifteen twenty 15, 20 times, turn your phone back on, and do that about once or twice a month. It sounds silly. You don't have to tell anybody, but that skill is going to be there for you. Uh, that muscle memory is going to be there for you in the heat of a battle. Yeah, that's you, ever, you bring up a couple of really interesting things. So just on that one, that almost seems like the old flip phones have an advantage for older people because you can actually feel out the numbers. Where if you, if you have an iPhone or something, then you don't know where your fingers might be on that screen. It might be a little bit harder. Like if your if your eyes are damaged, you get your glasses broken or something like that. You've got to really kind of figure out where those numbers are. Um, I know some people that even a lot of people have like two phones. They have a phone that's just there for uh, just for emergencies. It doesn't even have to have you don't even have to have a um, like a service on it. You don't have to pay a monthly service for it. And, and especially for people that might be on a fixed income and, or aren't really tech savvy, they don't really think that they're a candidate for a cell phone. Just a simple flip phone. And I think now I've seen them in magazines even where they have like really big. Uh, pads on them to be able to be able to see if you have weakened eyesight or something like that. But even something like that, where it's just for an emergency, uh, can be a, a real asset. But here's what here's what really stood out for me because I know that we're talking about this and we're we're talking about how people who are older, you know, I've used the words they're weaker, they're not as strong, they've got health problems, they're, they're basically a drain on society, you know, and they're going to be victimized by those people. But but the thing is, is that in in reality. There's some benefits there, right? Like the older you are, the more wisdom that you've probably accrued over the years. So you've been in situations probably throughout, you know, whether you were law enforcement or you've been in the military before or even just as you get older, you start to become more aware of your surroundings because you maybe look to trip over, you know, to, to try to avoid tripping over things more. So your awareness does sort of get heightened by I guess because you really need to, and it's just a matter of using that wisdom and that sixth sense to really think about and be aware of where you are and not just look at it as I might trip over that curb or, oh, there's the stairs, I want to avoid those, you know, whatever like that, but but just in what else might be around the corner or in the parking lot or where are the dark spots of the parking lot, just just expanding that wisdom and awareness to other areas outside of you, so... You know, a, a lot of our listeners who are, are older already know that their odds of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a, like a younger, bigger, stronger person are already decreased. And 
to combat that, a lot of our listeners I know ha- are, are into weapons of some sort. So a lot of them are firearms people or they carry a knife or something like that. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get to it quick enough to be able to defend yourself. So what advice would you give to someone who's more weapons-focused right now and is looking at their self-defense techniques as secondary to that firearm that they carry? Well, pre-planning for an event is always good, even if, uh, as the saying goes, all plans, you know, turn to crap when <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the heat of battle. But still, uh, there's power in that. So take the time to kind of sit down and I sold this from, uh, I sold this from uh, Mark McYoung, a real uh, mm-hmm. excellent writer on, on such things. And, and to pre-plan or think out at what point in a confrontation would you uh, put hands on? What point in a, in a confrontation would you punch somebody? What point in a confrontation would you hit them with a rock or with a bat or push them or smack them with your cane? Uh, also, in what point in a confrontation would you pull that, that, let's say, let's make it a gun, would you pull that firearm? That is going to speed up your decision-making process, again, when that adrenaline, as we talked about, when that adrenaline is really cooking, and when your pulse rate goes over 175, things start to deteriorate at a rapid rate. 200 is not uncommon. 240 is even uh, common under high-stress situations. And everything, uh, so many things that you take for granted deteriorate. So the more you can pre-plan at what point you would do this, at what point you would do that, uh, that takes that decision-making uh, out of that uh, that heated moment. Um, if you're going to carry a gun, if your people are gun people, they already know this, but if you're going to carry a gun, practice with your weapon. My wife just got her carry concealed permit. We just took her shooting the other day. She's better than me, which is no surprise. That, uh, <laughs> she's very good. Um, and carry the, um, and and practice with your weapon, and and think in terms of retention. Police officers practice gun retention. What that means is they practice um, covering their holster if the bad guy lunges for their gun or holding their gun on somebody in such a way that it makes it difficult for them to lunge forward if you grab that gun. Still, police officers are killed every year with their own firearm. Not as many as as they were being killed and hurt 20, 30 years ago because the training has really progressed. But still, that's happening. So if, if you need to be comfortable with that gun, not only shooting it, but just handling it and and keeping it in position. In the movies, you see a bad, you see the, the the hero point. He stretches his arm all the way out like the bullet wouldn't reach. You know, you don't have to do that. So put, uh, think about that. Look, uh, read some books on that. Look at videos on that on how to carry your gun, how to hold your gun, so as not to get that gun taken away from you. Hmm. Understand good and bad backgrounds. Once again, adrenaline's cooking, heat of battle. Um, you pull your gun on somebody, and you don't even notice that behind them there's a schoolyard with kids playing in the schoolyard. You don't notice that there's a gas pump behind them, <laughs> or you don't notice there's a, a busy freeway behind them. You've got to think backgrounds. Um, a lot of times you've heard, you see news stories, and people say, well, why didn't the police shoot him? Because they was in a mall, you know, or yeah. he was on a schoolyard. So you need to think that background and consider um, moving, repositioning yourself, maybe circling the guy, whatever, to to uh, afford you uh, a better, a solid wall or something, a better kind of background. Or it's a situation such you just might not be able to pull your gun. You have to factor that in. Please take that. 
never bluffed with a gun. I made. I was a military policeman in Vietnam. I bluffed with a gun one time, and the guy said, "Okay, shoot me." I saw it happen on the PD on the police department a couple of times. Um, that's really uncomfortable to have to go. Uh, okay, uh, and then you holster your gun, you know, all sheepishly. And um, so, uh, don't bluff with a gun. Take that gun out only if the situation warrants, or it looks like it very quickly is going to warrant you you using that firearm. Yeah. Yeah, and and the only th- other thing I think I would add there, and the reason, the whole reason why we're we're doing this interview is because people get too focused in on like one weapon, right? Like I'm a gun guy, and I don't worry, I don't worry about parking lots because I've got my gun. But you know, pr- criminals are predators, and they don't want to fight. You know, they don't, they don't, they know that people can be armed, especially if you live in an area that you know does offer concealed carry and things like that. So, so they're going to take that into account and likely it's going to be a close quarters ambush or something like that. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to fight to your gun, but you know, the techniques that, that work and don't work are going to be even more, I think, important for people who are older, which is what we're going to be getting into next. So listen, everybody, we've been talking with Lauren Christensen of lwcbooks.com about realistic self-defense strategies for those of us who are getting a little longer in the tooth and yet still need practical solutions for surviving a violent attack. And we have a lot more to get into, including how to avoid the martial arts trap of getting sucked into one-size-fits-all strategies that could fail you in a real fight, a short list of the most effective tactics that you can put to use right away to be better prepared to face a younger, bigger, stronger attacker when forced to defend yourself to survive, and simple training strategies anyone can do to become better protected, no matter where you live or what classes are in your area. But first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, 350-pound biker dude, rage in his eyes ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Lauren Christensen of lwcbooks.com discussing practical self-defense strategies for older trainees. Now, we have a lot more to get into, so let's go ahead and jump back in now. Now, Lauren, I'm a big believer in focusing in on a smaller number of ultra-effective techniques that are simple, easy to learn, but are still going to be reliable in a real attack. 
while a lot of martial arts out there can sometimes get really bogged down in this long list of complicated techniques. So if you were designing a program for someone who's older and looking for something that would really work under extreme conditions of an attack, what techniques would you, let's talk about what you would stay away from first. So what techniques would you steer them away from to help them avoid training in something that probably isn't going to be their go-to defense tactics? Uh, the first one would be hitting the groin with a caveat. Hitting the groin once. Uh, I, I saw many, many street fights on the street as, as a police officer, and um, hitting the groin once, almost I could almost safely say more times than not, doesn't work. Uh, now, in a martial arts school, a guy gets nailed in the groin. He's down on the fetal position crying for his mother. Uh, on the playground, a kid gets hit uh, with a ball in the groin, and he's down. Uh, but when the adrenaline, I'm talking a lot about this rush of adrenaline because it's a powerful force in the body and, and, the, and the mind. But when the, the adrenaline is really cooking, a guy can take a groin shot. Two weeks before I retired, I was trying to arrest a guy in the lobby of the downtown precinct, and I got hit. I got a knee hard in the groin. I continued to fight the guy. I got him down. I got him handcuffed. got him into a holding room in the back of the precinct. Then that nausea, that pain, that wanting to throw up and cold sweat hit hard, uh, but I was able to continue. So I'll talk later about hitting the groin and continuing to hit, uh, but right now, don't hit the groin once and then stand back and hope to, and wait for the guy to fall down on the ground. It's a good chance it might not happen. Mm-hmm. Number two, unless the attacker is wearing a T-shirt or is bare-chested, don't bother punching the upper body. The guy's wearing a heavy uh, winter coat, uh, again, in the frenzy of the moment, you may start throwing punches or kicks at his chest, or you might try to hit him with a bat or your purse or whatever. You're going to feel it. I was on a, a, a mission one time, an undercover deal, and an undercover policeman shot this guy in the chest with a 25 automatic. The bullet didn't penetrate the coat. The guy kept yeah. on fighting. So unless you can punch harder than a bullet, you know, <laughs> stay away from hitting, hitting that, that chest. It's okay if the guy's bare-chested or if he's wearing a T-shirt or a flimsy cotton shirt or stuff, but if you've got a heavy coat, don't waste your time and effort and risk your getting hit or taken down on the ground. That's right. There's many other targets, the legs, the, the groin, uh, as I just warned against, and uh, the eyes, the neck, that sort of thing we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. And the thirdly is wild punches. Um, so many untrained people, and you see this a lot in the, in the videos on, on YouTube, they just flail away at the head. The, the risk there is you're going to injure your – imagine punching a bowling ball. That's the same thing. You know, in the martial arts, they talk about never bone against bone. Uh, so flailing away with your fisted knuckles uh, at a guy's head is more than likely going to hurt your hand and make you unable to continue to defend yourself. There are good targets, and I'll talk about those in a second, in the head area, uh, but just flailing wildly is never a good idea. Yeah. And and probably I think one of the things about mixed martial arts what what really came out of that whole as it's as it's really blown up has been the grappling arts have gotten really really popular too and you know we've seen systems that have been built around this of course there's always traditional systems as well like uh like jujitsu and things like that that are a lot of grappling arts but again I think that for older people to, to get into something because you've seen it on Ultimate Fighting Championship where grappling works really well or ground fighting and things like that, um, 
if if strength is an issue and you're down on the ground, that becomes one of the most dangerous places to be, partially because, you know, you really are going strength against strength. And if you're older, you might not have that strength compared to whoever it is that you're fighting. But but let's talk about what does work now, because it really does require you to be more strategic about what you're going to do. If we know what doesn't work now, now we have to figure out, okay, well, what chance do I have then? So let's look at that. What What are the most effective self-defense techniques for an older person who may be more challenged in the size and strength department than they used to be? Well, the, the three I'm going to talk about are actually uh, four, three and a half. Um, I teach in my regular martial art training because they're excellent targets, but they're also excellent targets for people who don't have training. Now, the first one is the eyes. I don't care if you're Bass Wooten, Boss Wooten, or the you know 300-pound MMA guy. You hit in the eyes, uh, you're going to hesitate. At the very least, you're going to hesitate. You're going to water up. At the most, you're going to bend over at the waist and clutch your face. Um, so hit the, go for the eyes with, with finger pokes, with claws, point of your umbrella. The chance of your blinding somebody is pretty slim. It can happen, but it's rare. But the chance of your um, making this guy's eye sting and giving him some really acute pain is great. And that gives you an opportunity to escape, go for help, or to follow up with uh, another technique, such as number two, which is the throat, uh, the, the throat and neck area. The throat being the first, uh, uh, looking at the entire neck area, the throat is the is probably the the nastiest of, of those targets. The throat, you hit somebody in the throat, and I've been hitting the throat in class, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, and it feels like you just swallowed a pickup and it's lodged in your throat. <laughs> You can't swallow. You you want to throw up. You you can't. You can't swallow. Uh, you kind of get this panicky thing going on. It's a nasty target. Again, buying you time to follow up or to or to flee. The second best are the sides of the neck. Uh, there you have the brachial plexus, a cluster of nerves that are really, really sensitive to stunning. If you watch mixed martial arts, you see a lot of guys go down with a round kick, a shin kick to the brachial, brachial plexus or a punch commentator never calls it because he's probably not aware of it. That's what's getting struck, but um, it's called a stunning technique. Police officers use it. Uh, you have the vagus nerve right there and, and the um, carotid artery. Um, these are all, they're all so close. You don't have to worry about it. Just hit the side of the neck and you'll, you'll do good. Um, again, to buy you time and to debilitate. And a third of, of the neck area would be the back of the neck, a good hammer. That's a, Hammer fist is the, the bottom of your fist that you pound the table with, the back of the neck, uh, elbow if you have that kind of skill, or hitting them back there. Even with a heavy book in the back of the neck um, will, will flatten a lot of people. Um, it's happened to me one time. <laughs> a girl in college just chopped me in the neck. She says, is this what you do? And she chopped me in the back of the neck, and I was just down on the floor. Hmm. Um, so it's an excellent target. The groin, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, but the groin as a multiple blow technique. You hit the groin once, you hit it twice, three times, you have that option, or you hit it once. By hitting, I am talking about kicking or punching or grabbing and squeezing or grabbing and jerking it back and forth like a dog does uh, with a rabbit. Uh, extreme pain gives you an option to follow up with a technique to the eyes or a technique to the throat or just, or just to get away. But again, it's not the groin, hit once the groin and stand back and wait. It's hit and continue to either hit the groin or flow up to other techniques. A lot of times if you hit a guy in the groin, he'll bend forward and that groin's no longer available to hit. So now you need to go to another target. He bends forward, there's your head. 
There's your eyes. There's your throat. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I learned this from a from a uh, doorman, and he, he ran a um, the um, what do you call the guys in the bars? The, the doorman, I guess. Bouncer. Bouncer. There you go. A bouncer in 27 clubs in New York. He ran all 27 clubs, and he said his go-to technique was a kick to the shin as a lead-in to another technique. That everybody has, no matter how obese the person is. The skin is the, the the skin is pretty thin around this this um, high volume nest of, of vulnerable nerve points. There, kick that chin, then go for the groin, then go for the throat, then go for the eye. Or kick the chin, and if he's really down, uh, you take off and 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 run. Or you can hit him with something too. Hit him with your umbrella. You know? Yeah. So those those are four of the real good ones that I teach. Experienced um, martial arts, but they're good for people who have no experience whatsoever. Yeah, and I like that you bring up the hammer fist because I mean, it's a lot of people when they think about fighting, they think, well, okay, well, I've got to learn how to punch appropriately or something like that. And I'm not a big, not a big fan of punching myself, but I mean, I think there are there are better techniques. And hammer fist is like one of my favorites because it's so simple, it's so natural, it's a it's a very natural thing that your body kind of gravitates to. And you see people that really aren't thinking about hitting, and they're just they're hitting, hitting, hitting with somebody in close quarters. They typically just go straight to a, a hammer fist because it's it. I don't. Know, I think the body just has that survival mechanism that it says this is effective and you can get more power behind it. So that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. So l- let's talk about how to how to train this for somebody. So since many people are more challenged with with getting out to things like regular martial arts classes, or they might be limited in in finding training that will work for them just because of their age and mobility level and the classes that are available. What are some simple training drills that someone can do at home, either like with or without a partner, that will help them defend themselves like someone who isn't exactly 21 anymore? Well, returning to the eyes, keep in mind the eyes don't need a lot of strength. They, don't, they certainly don't need any power um, to, to cause damage to them. They asked Muhammad Ali one time, who could beat you if this was during his prime? And he said, a little baby could. I'm holding the baby and the baby sticks his finger in my eye. You know, so, yeah. uh, it, it's an excellent target. So one of the things you can do is you can find on your wall or the back of your door some marks, or you can make marks with a piece of chalk, uh, that are about the, the distance between two sets of eyes, about as high as your, as your head. And you can just practice poking at those. Don't, you don't have to jam your fingers into the wall. Um, you know, obviously that hurts, but you can poke at them or stop them just short and, and touch those spots. Uh, and do this over and over. At first, you're going to be all over the place. You're not even going to be near those spots. But with practice, I see this all the time with my students, the new students. With practice, you're going to nail those spots every time with two to four fingers. Don't don't mess with your thumb. Just you, all four fingers gives you four chance, four times a chance to hit it, or with just two fingers, the three stooges kind of thing to the eyes. You can poke it and you can claw it, uh, claw, clawing it from um, from 12 o'clock straight up. All the way down to six o'clock, from three to nine, nine to three, uh, diagonally every which way. Face the wall with both feet square and claw it or poke it. Turn your body sideways and lean back and poke it. Turn your body a little farther, almost all the way around, twist around, poke the eyes. Bend over at the waist, look up, see the spots, poke them. All kinds of uh, ways to get to that. Uh, experiment with all kinds of angles and dangles to get to those eyes. Claw a newspaper. Uh, this was fun. We, we did a picture for a book with, uh, with a, a model's clawing a newspaper. You hold the, hold, somebody holds a, news, a sheet of newspaper up, like a Sunday paper, 
and uh, the person holds your hand in a claw position, just like a cat, and you're going to just jab your hand out and claw down that paper. You may get it the first time. You may not get it to the tenth time, but you keep practicing until you find the right twist, the right angle, the right speed to claw that paper. It's, it's very it's very empowering. As you get better, you can increase it to two pages, three pages. Um, and my model got so as you could clear almost a half of a, of a, of a Sunday paper, just ripping that to shreds all over the place. Hmm. Um, make a pad of towels or blankets. You were talking about the hammer fist, which I agree with what you said about that 100%. It's a natural weapon. You look at little kids fight, they hit with a hammer fist. They were born hammer fist yeah. things and the hammer fist, the kitty, the hammer fist, the brother. And <laughs> it's a powerful tool. And again, the hammer fist is you're hitting with the heel of your hand like you're pounding, like Kustia, pounding the table. Um, make a, a stack of towels about six or seven inches thick. Uh, strike down. I don't strike real hard at first to see how it feels. If it's, if it's too hard, uh, add a towel. Uh, if it's too soft, take a towel away. Simple as that. And just hit it and hit it. So you're hitting it pretty good, pretty good blow with both hands. Your opposite hand, if it happens to be your left hand, never call it your weak hand. It's just your odd hand. Uh, that's going to feel funny, but keep hitting, and it's going to feel less and less funny as you do it. As you do it, imagine hitting the back of somebody's neck or somebody's form who just grabbed you, or even somebody's uh, groin or the side of their face. Uh, if you have an old mattress, you can do the same thing with that, practicing at different angles. Lean that mattress against a wall and practice hitting it from the side, from the back, hitting back with your hammer fist, hitting on top of the mattress, that sort of thing. The other, the last one is, uh, is a real fun, fun deal and it's very empowering, uh, and you become empowered with this very quickly. Seems like a hassle at first, but pretty soon you just kind of do it automatically. Wherever you are, look, if you're listening right now, look, look to your right. Is there a weapon there you can use? Uh, look to your left. Is there a weapon there you can use? I'm not talking about a gun or a knife, but anything that could be used to a weapon. I, to my right, I have a little Zen garden, one of these four by six inch deals, uh, you know, platforms filled with sand and little stones. That sand is pretty rough in somebody's eyes. Mm-hmm. To my left, I have a, I have a calculator and a back scratcher somebody gave me. Rip that back scratcher across somebody's face, hit somebody upside the head with that, uh, with that calculator and cause quite a bit of damage and, 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 and uh, buy yourself some time. Wherever you go, look for a weapon. You're living with, when my wife and I watch TV, you know, the police movie and the bad guy's coming in the house. We go, look right there. There's a weapon. Pick up that, <laughs> pick up that lamp, pick up that book there's, and go to a restaurant. There's weapons all over the place. Wherever you go, do a quick scan and you will find half a dozen weapons that you can use should something deteriorate right on that spot. Very quickly. I, te- I teach this at school teachers and workplace people. Uh, so that they are um, more apt to grab something and use that as a weapon in the event of a, a school shooting or workplace violence situation. Yeah. Well, you gave some really great tips there, uh, especially since they really don't cost a lot of money, right? I mean, I know a lot of people who are older, We people t- that we network with and we talk to that are our customers and everything, one of the things they complain about is, like, they might be on a fixed income, they really can't afford a lot. And I always tell people, like, I love the Bob training dummy. It's a, it's like this realistic kind of lifelike punching dummy that you can get. And I use it for firearms training, you know, like with airsoft and things like that, scenario-based training as well as for, for self-defense training. And those work great, but I was envisioning as you're talking about all those, those different, like, kind of make your own towel-based, you know, punching bag or sort of thing. You could even just take a, 
like a post in the garage or in the basement or something like that and just duct tape layers of towels around like at the head area, at the groin area, and even down at the shin area so you can practice all those things that you were talking about. You can practice that targeting and you have something basically vertical in front of you that really wouldn't cost you anything more than some old towels from Goodwill as, and some duct tape. And you can have a pretty good, uh, a pretty good kind of setup right there. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much, man. Uh, listen, everybody, Lauren, I, I love his DVDs. If you haven't seen them on our site at all, if we've run any clips of them or any segments or, or anything, uh, Really, it's just it, they're so practical, and he's drawing from a lot of experience, not even just from the martial arts, but also as a law enforcement officer who's really had to deal with the, te- the basically the scenarios that we never wish upon ourselves or anybody else. So they're really coming from a practical foundation, and they really will work. So definitely go check out his books and his videos and all the training that he has over on his website at lwcbooks.com. So thanks, Lauren. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today and uh, and sharing this this information with us. I know everybody's going to get a lot out of it. And until our next Modern Combat and broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.